Welcome to New Narrative Southeast Asia Dispatches. I'm your host, Bonibel Ramatan, Editorial Manager for New Narrative. New Narrative is a movement to democratize democracy in Southeast Asia, and this podcast is one of the ways we attempt to do just that. When we talk about democracy, we have to talk about equality. We can't have democracy if, say, certain groups of people are being prevented from having access to the same legal rights as others. Now, we're not talking about same-sex marriage or anything like that, although we should. We are talking about something a lot more fundamental, something that should be a given. We're talking about disaster relief. Now, if you were to come to a disaster site and started pointing fingers as to how this person or that person should be given less help because of their gender or sexual orientation, you'd be deemed a bigot, and they'd be right. And yet, on a larger scale, that's exactly what is going on in various disaster relief programs. Nearly a decade after the high-end disaster hit in late 2013, LGBTQ survivors who have always faced discrimination are still seeking their legal rights. Haiyan, also known as Typhoon Yolanda, exposed these struggles. Technically and ethically, Everyone should have the right to the survivor's housing program. But no, for that, you need to have a family. And you can only be recognized as a family unit when there's a male and a female spouse, obviously based on what was assigned to you at birth. My name is Arthur Bolong, uh, president here in Habitat Village Homeowners Association, Tacloban City, Philippines. That's Arturo Golong, or Arthur, a trans woman who is also high on survivor. Arthur is now settled in her permanent relocation as a housing recipient with other LGBTQ survivors. She learned the hard way that cis-heterosexual families are prioritized by the government regarding the housing program, even compared to gay couples with children to take care of. She's joining us from her village, where she is working as a community leader, hence the quality of the audio. She'll be speaking in Tagalog, with Mavic translating her key points. I would also like to mention that we've agreed to use the name Arthur instead of her trans name Jean for reasons that we've discussed in the original article in newnarrative.com and we'll be discussing further in the conversation to follow. I'm Mavic Conde, an environmental reporter uh, from the Philippines, so I have been covering disaster-related issues. That's Mavic Conde, a Filipino environmental journalist. Her bylines can be found in Bulatlat, Mongabe, and Rappler. She received an Earth Journalism Writing Grant as well as several fellowships, including a year-long fellowship at Solutions Journalism Network, where she commissioned and co-edited climate solution stories from Asia. In her coverage of disasters, it is her belief that we should debunk the concept of natural disasters. Disasters happen because there's negligence. LGBTQIA communities suffer not because of nature, but especially because of persistent discrimination and the lack of legal protection. So let's start with a bit of background. Um, Arthur, could you please tell us a bit more about how things are going on right now over there, uh, especially in terms of like high-end survivors? And also, like, what did you experience and how did it make you feel and how is the condition right now? So far, uh, sa ngayon, medyo okay na kami compare nung bago pa lang kami dito. Uh, bago pa lang kami dito na talagang kumbaga nangangapa din kami nung una. Uh, lahat, uh, lahat ng sakripisyo pinagdaanan din namin dito. Sa ngayon, medyo okay naman kami dito at saka uh, naka, naka, ano na kami, nakaraos na kami doon sa mga difficulties before dito sa bagong tinitirahan namin. 
we're relatively adjusted now, unlike when we first arrived here and we're figuring out how to live as a community of internally displaced Haiyan survivors. We overcame the difficulties by making sacrifices, which came with surviving a super typhoon and doing everything we could to adapt to our circumstances. I see. Um, I want to then, you know, uh, shift this attention to you, Mavic. What made you interested in this issue in the first place? And how did you become aware of the situation? And did you have any personal stories or experiences? But And why, essentially, did you choose to, like, cover this issue? Okay, so my home uh, region, because is also a typhoon ravage area. So uh, in 2020, I was in a barangay office once to interview typhoon victims. So while waiting for my turn, out of nowhere, the people in the office began talking about LGBTQ plus members and how they are actively involved in uh, disaster relief operations. Then an official casually responded that the LGBTQ plus should be identified as a distinct group of beneficiaries similar to senior citizens, pregnant, pregnant women, and so on. Uh, I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to ask them about it, but it stuck with me. So I began researching disaster relief and LGBTQ+. So it led me to Arthur's story. Why do you think, um, you know, why did the government make that make that similarity between like having the LGBT population become uh, a special a special group? And do you think that actually is is actually something beneficial, or do you think that's something more discriminatory? As, because yeah, as government officials, they it's expected for them to be aware about uh, these issues. It's a human rights issue, so. Uh, uh, in ret- retrospect, I'm actually happy that uh, that conversation happened, although it was so casually, it was just casual conversation between uh, the people in the uh, barangay office. I think that's uh, uh, a good uh, sign that uh, despite our pat- patriarchal society, you know, there's this... Uh, um, liberal uh, knowledge that we are ano, we we already have we we only need to nurture them uh but would you say in general how how did you know the the, the lawmakers and everything because obviously there's a lot of um there's a lot of queerphobia there's a lot of um, transphobia homophobia and and so on and you know as you wrote in the article, it also reflects. It is reflected in the uh, in in the laws and practices that you know that happens that that are practiced there in in the Philippines, right? Um, how do you see this this interplay in terms of the law itself? And do you think it has more to do with like uh, colonialism or maybe like religious fundamentalism in the in the in the Philippines or maybe other factors? What do you think of this uh, of this interplay of these dynamics? As a patriarchal society, which is rooted in colonialism, the latter definitely impacts the way we create and interpret laws. Our pre-colonial values, which are far from male-centric ideologies, are not mainstream and erased. So imagine the male-dominated fields that hold the power and authority in processing and interpreting our gender history. 
with patriarchal influence even if these authorities are highly educated, they can still perpetuate misogyny and all if their education is not liberating. You know, it's just so deeply ingrained that many Filipinos don't even realize internalized homophobia. It's not surprising how disorienting it could be to welcome a queer family member and their partner. In fact, a survey reveals that the majority of Filipinos tolerate only certain queer expression, but when it comes to sex relationships, it's a different matter. But in all fairness to our Bill of Rights, it's kind of inclusive in the sense that it recognizes equality because we're all human beings. What is lacking is its recognition of diversity. That's why we have corrective measures like the Magna Carta of Women for PWDs, senior citizens, and so on. We need the same corrective measure to reflect the gender spectrum. But then again, we're still a patriarchal society where everything, even faith, is interpreted in its relation to masculinity. Thus, the struggle remains. So there are lots of struggles moving towards that direction, but still, it's still it's still a long, uh, a long way to go. Um, I want to go back to Arthur now, um, because you know uh, you are the one facing um, all of these discriminatory uh, discrimination and all of these all of these uh, queerphobia and transphobia and stuff like that. So. Your reaction to that is to actually step up and become a community leader. So why? why how, how did you decide to actually take that role as a community leader? Kasi parang ang sa akin kasi, kung hindi parang kung hindi yun nga, sabi pa nga, kung hindi kasi ako magsasalita, hindi, kasi marami talaga, maraming discrimination talaga. For example, like yung kagaya yung binanggit ko na yung sa mga relief distributions or doon sa mga tawag dito sa mga livelihood opportunities. Uh, una sa mga livelihood opportunities. Uh, halos lahat kasi, uh, ako kasi noon, leader na ako doon sa temporary shelter pa lang namin. So doon sa temporary shelter namin, is uh, maraming nagpupunta doon, tinatanong, uh, iilan ba ang ang babae dito sa inyo? Iilan, iilan ang lactating mam dito sa inyo? Iilan ang mga lalaki? Kasi may mga livelihood kami for them. Pero doon sa 11 months na yun, na naandun ako sa temporary shelter, wala man lang nagtanong sa amin kung iilan ang bakla, iilan ang tomboy, o iilan ang LGBTQIA+, na, na narakatira doon sa temporary shelter namin kasi may livelihood kami for them. So yun yung parang nag-ano sa akin na Uh, kailangan kung baka kailangan pumilos kami do hindi naman kasi at that time hindi ako ang leader eh hindi ako ang leader so may presidente kami pero parang naano na kasi ako kasi sa akin easy mag-access sa totoo lang easy mag-access sa akin gawa ng may kasama ako na andiyan yung nanay ko na andiyan yung tatay ko so Uh, hindi ako kabilang doon sa mga LGBT na hindi makaka-avail gawa ng my family ako. So parang yun ang ginawa ko, bakit hindi tayo gumawa ng hakbang? Kasi paano itong mga kaibigan namin na mawawalan ng itong LGBTQIA plus na mga ano natin, na mga kapatid, na hindi makaka-avail ng pabahay. So yun parang nag-leader-leaderan na ako, kumbaga ginawa ko na lahat. Ginawa ko na sana marinig din naman kami marinig ng gumbyerno na kami nangangailangan din kami. 
Arthur claims that no one asked her about LGBTQ plus for job opportunities offered to Haiyan survivors or as specific beneficiaries for relief operations during her 11-month stay at the Temporary Resettlement Site or TRS. She was frequently asked how many men, women, and lactating mothers were present at that time. However, because her parents were still alive then, accessing disaster relief services was easier for her. She came from a heteronormative family after all. But she asked, what about my LGBTQ plus friends? Even though I was not the TRS president at the time, I stood up for my peers and became their de facto leader in the hopes that our government would listen. Who would do it if I did not? Well, uh, can you tell us a bit more concretely then about the things um, that you do to help these people? How did you... Um, what is exactly your role as a community as a community leader? What does it entail? Ah, uh, yung ano kasi yung yung kumbaga yung role ko dito sa amin. Kumbaga halos lahat na eh. Ah, uh, nagsimula ako nung nung pagiging leader ko kasi noon parang ah uh, mahirap kaysa sa role ko ngayon kasi medyo napagaan na yung noon talaga na role ko dito ah uh, kasi syempre halos lahat ng tao dito kasi nagtatanong nung First ako na naging leader dito sa community namin, nagtatanong yung mga wala, yung mga nakasanayan kasi nila doon sa place of origin nila, kisa dito sa tinitirahan namin bago. So parang uh, napakahirap mag-handle ng tao, lalo na uh, yung mga ihahandle mo na tao, hindi sanay tumira o hindi, hindi nila nakasanayan tirahan yung bago nilang titirahan. So yung pinaka-ano ko noon na parang mahirap na role ko. Sa ngayon, ang role ko ngayon parang hindi naman masyado kung uh, mahirap kasi ang mga na, mga problema na lang ngayon dito is regarding na lang dito sa mga mga youth natin dito sa ano sa sa community at saka itong mga ang mga ano din uh, nadidiscriminate din ng mga LGBT members natin dito dahil nga siyempre sometimes naman hindi rin naman natin masasabi na sila sila mismo ang gumagawa nung ikakadiscriminate nila pero kumbaga yun din yung uh, hindi naman sa tinututukan ko kasi madami din ako. Parang isa din sa mga agenda ko na talaga sana ma-stop din o matigil din itong mga ano itong mga discrimination sa dito sa mga sa mga adolescents natin na mga ano ito sa mga bata natin na mga LGBT. So yun yung parang nagiging role ko dito halos lahat ginagampanan ko. Her role at the permanent relocation site is almost all around, which she admits is more difficult than advocating for her LGBTQ plus peers at the RTS. It is difficult to deal with displaced survivors who are not used to living in a relocation site. Today, they are dealing with minor issues that involve the youth. Although not as rampant, LGBTQ plus discrimination still exists, so she wants this addressed especially for LGBTQ plus members who have faced discrimination as a result of their actions. I'm also curious because throughout all of these process, I understand, Arthur, that um, you also went through your uh, transition process. You know, you, you, you transition and then you change your name, but then you change it uh, to, to 
Jean, if I'm not mistaken, and then you change it back to Arthur. Uh, but then you you mentioned a very interesting angle about that and uh, that 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 Mavic wrote, right? Um, can you tell us about this process and how it affected you, and why did you change your name and then change it back? And you know, like a more personal story, we'd like to hear that from you. So actually, sa tutulang mahirap, mahirap, mahirap masyado, mahirap siyang ano hin dun sa simula. Kasi kung baga doon ko nakasanayan yun ni eh. yun yun nakasanayan ko uh, sa salon na pinagtatrabawhan ko, walang nakakakilala sa Arthur na pangalan sa yung kubaga yung ang Arthur lang na pangalan ko kasi halos sa kalahati lang ng barangay namin at saka sa pamilya ko lang nakaano siya sa pagkalabas talagang Jean ang pangalan ko pero nung time na nagkayulanda kasi hindi po pwedeng gamitin ko yung ano ko yung pangalan na Jean kasi hindi kilala yun ay hindi yun kumbaga hindi lalo na nung nung ano na nung Uh, kinausap ko na si DSWD, gawa ng matatanda na ngayon mga parents ko, so kailangan na ako na ang tumayo. So kailangan ko gamitin yung Arthur na pangalan ko at iwanan na muna si Jean. Uh, talagang mahirap kasi marami naghahanap din sa akin noon na Jean ang kilala sa akin. Pero siyempre may mga tao, lalo na kumbaga yung mga close friend ko at saka mga kamag-anak ko ang napagtatanungan. Wala kaming kilalang Jean, wala kaming ano, si Arthur ang nandito. So kung hindi na ako nakikita, hindi nila mas... Hindi, ay, siya, siya, hindi siya si Arthur, siya si Jean, yung parang ganun. So ako naman... Uh, talagang nahirapan kasi kailangan ni eh. Yun ang kailangan kasi doon sa ano nila. Sa kumbaga pag-avail ng, tawag nito, legality. So, uh, hindi na nila inisip yung parang damdamin, damdamin ng ano, ng kagaya namin na, Jin kasi yung nakasanayan kong pangalan. Kasi, nagkaroon na, yung Jin na yan, 14 years old, I think, ay 13 years old pa lang ako nagpalit ng Jin. Yung, yung parang screen name ko. Tapos, biglang magiging Arthur ako at the age of 39. Kasi 39 ako at that time eh, noong 2013, uh, 20, oh 2014. Doon kasi start. So parang mahirap. Mahirap para sa akin yun. May mga naghahanap ng gin. Kasi nung, nung naandun na kami sa resettlement site, hindi naman nila alam kung sino si gin. At saka yung ano din naman, yung mga tao nito, yung mga yung mga naghahanap din sa akin. Kasi parang hinahanap nila kung buhay ako o ano ako. Arthur naman, walang din dito, may bakla dito, pero si Arthur. So yung parang mahirap, mahirap sa akin, mahirap tanggapin sa totoo lang, mahirap tanggapin yun. Pero kumbaga kinaya ko yun. Until now, si Arthur, kumbaga si Jean nawawala, nawawala na si Arthur yung ano, yung, parang si Arthur na yung nangingibap. Uh, Arthur said that it's actually very difficult for her because uh, The name Jean uh, was the more known among her circle. So Arthur, she only used it uh, within her family members, within her family circle. So, so when Yolanda happened, um, she realized that she couldn't uh, continue using Jean because... Uh, Um, because of legal issues. Although people were asking about Jean, uh, was she alive? So, but uh, but since uh, she is known as Arthur, 
in her barangay, no one could uh, could tell uh, that that Jim and Arthur are the same person. So, so it's very hard for Arthur to let go of her. Uh, she said, uh, "Screen name Jim," because he had been using that for since she was 14 years old. So she has this. Uh, emotional attachment to it, but she had. She said she had to let go of it because of legal issues, uh, especially that her parents uh, were already uh, elderly. So she had to uh, go to uh, the officers from social uh, department of social welfare and services, and had to ask them that she. If she could be the uh, uh, the head of the family because her parents as beneficiaries are already old, so those uh, legal issues she she had no choice but to use our her. So until now, she said it's still hard for her, but she said she was able to carry on, and although for her gene is is still uh, missing, and the more uh, prominent uh, person now known is uh, Arthur. I see, I see. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the more invisible challenges that trans people have to face in all of these uh, all of these bureaucracies. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get that as a, as a trans person myself. Um, it, it must be it must be pretty difficult. But yeah, sometimes it's it's a whole complicated issues with this whole legal requirements and stuff like that. Um, speaking of legal requirements, speaking of um, legal issues, though, Malvik, this this question is to you. Um, you did mention earlier about the Magna Carta for PWDs, for uh, Magna Carta for Women, um, Solo Parent Act, and stuff like that, that um, LGBTQIA plus people have been, um, you know, have been and, and can Utilize, although it's like very limited, but like, you know, uh, can you tell can you tell us more about about these about how 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 LGBT people have been like navigating all of these uh, legal requirements? Sure. So you mentioned three specific laws for three uh, different uh, groups. So the Magna Carta for Persons with Disabilities states in Section thirty nine under the Housing Program that. The national government shall take into consideration its shelter program, the special housing requirements of disabled persons. It's actually for everybody, uh, LGBTQ plus or not, as long as you, you're, quali- you're uh, classified as BWD. For the Solo Parent Act, housing services are enumerated alongside a comprehensive package of programs or services for solo parents, including livelihood, self-employment, and skills development. However, access depends on the beneficiary's uh, income. Of these three, the Magna Carta of Women is the most comprehensive human rights law for the marginalized. For one, it localizes the provisions of the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, or CEDAW, and the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights. Um, the CEDU uses substantive equality as one of its corrective uh, principles. 
So it's really a good reference for gender mainstreaming uh, for the following reasons. Uh, so uh, I refer from uh, the UN uh, source material, substantive quality recognizes differences, but affirms equality. It places obligation to correct environment. It makes playing field even. And most importantly, it allows for laws and policies to include gender perspective. How is it in practice in terms of like, I mean, it says Magna Carta, uh, Magna Carta for women, but then what about like trans women and then other genders? Yeah, that's the issue with uh, while it's so comprehensive, it's, it's still uh, prohibitive because it's under the Magna Carta of women so, uh, so it's really it's a good uh, law but it's not uh, it, it, it's not uh, a, ref, a reflection of our gender uh, spectrum so it, uh, the LGBTQ plus is still invisible yeah so ideally uh, we would have the SOGI bill right uh, Sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, and sexual characteristics, uh, the bill for equality for SOGI SC. Um, but I understand that it's like one of the most slow moving bills in history. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's a lot of pushback and it's just, it's just stuck, it's just moving very slow. What are your thoughts and feelings about this situation? Why is it like very, why is it moving very slow? From a personal point of view, uh I'd also like to ask whether our lawmakers seem to be trying too hard not to offend the religious community. And we also don't have enough role models, especially those breaking the stereotypes. Actually, I was inspired when I learned uh, about Arthur's uh, non-negotiable uh, non when she would uh, stand firm when asked to change her clothes because because uh, some people don't find it appropriate. So I think that's one thing we can um, really, uh, I really find it inspiring for Arthur to do that. Also, like uh, what I've said before, gender mainstreaming is also limited to equality between men and women. So we have a lot to do with uh, education and also just like with our problems with uh, who we vote for i think it would also be wise to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with our families with our friends and with our circles because we don't know who has this uh, internalized homophobia so it's also about unlearning values yeah uh totally i mean again it is a very uh it is very complex. The existence of the bill itself is something commendable, as you as you mentioned earlier. You know that some people are uh, pushing for it despite despite the pushback, right? Um, I want to ask Arthur though. Um, how do you feel personally about this bill? Like, are you and about gender mainstreaming in general? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Um, how do you feel? Do you believe that in the future this will eventually happen? The bill will. Uh, eventually pass and uh, your lives would, would get better as you know in the queer community or how do you feel in general about this 
para sa akin, uh, hindi naman talaga nila dapat harang-harangin yan. Oo, hindi naman natin sinasabi na pag naipasayang bill na yan, magiging okay na yung ano natin. Okay na lalo na kami mga uh, nasa, nasa sector na ito, nasa sector ng uh, LGBTQIA+. So parang para sa akin, uh, ba't kailangan nilang harangin? O ba't kailangan pa nilang Anin to hindi kumbaga hindi naman kasi kanina sa totoo lang nanonood ako ng news nila Villanueva at saka ni uh, senator sino tong isang author Mavic ng ano ng Suji si Senator Antiveros. Oh Senator Antiveros. Uh, parang inaano talaga parang ayo pa ayo pa salitain si Senator Antiveros. Ah uh, para 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 kasi sa akin hindi naman talaga kailangan oo uh, pag nakaano to na kasi ang ayaw nila na magkaroon daw ng same-sex marriage. Parang yun yung pinupoint ni ano. Sa akin naman, okay na kahit walang ano, kahit walang same-sex marriage. Kahit ako, kasi personally, ayaw ko rin. Sa totoo lang. Pero yung sa akin naman kasi, magkaroon ng sariling access o magkaroon ng access directly ang, kas- ang naandito sa, ano, sa LGBTQIA+. Na hindi, kumbaga hindi parang nakikiano na lang palagi. Nakikiano na lang sa mga straight. Yun, parang yun yung point ko doon. Uh, ba't ba nila hinaharang, uhaharangin ito? Kumbaga ang makakabinipisyo naman nito, ang nakararami. Kung talagang ano, magbakla na rin sila. Kung ano nila na parang ang makakaabil, yung mga ganito, magbakla na rin sila, magtomboy na rin sila, yung mga ayaw. Yun yung sa akin. Kasi kumbaga, kailangan namin ito, kailangan namin magkaroon ng sariling, uh, ang tawag ito, magkaroon din naman kami ng matatawag namin na sa amin. Hindi yung para sa kanila, para sa ganito, para sa kanila lang. E, paano kami? Yun lang yung sa akin na talagang maipasayan o kailangan talaga maipasayan bill na yan. This bill, in my opinion, should not be blocked. We don't even know if this will completely eliminate discrimination against the LGBTQ plus community once it becomes law. While watching the news, one of the bill's authors, Senator Risa Antiveros, was purposely prevented from discussing it. Those opposed to this bill stated that they do not want same-sex marriage. Even I didn't want it, and it wasn't included in the bill. My top priority is for us, LGBTQIA people, to have direct access to social services that the straight people already have under the law. Yeah, there's definitely, as as you mentioned before, Mavic, there's a lot of unlearning to do, right? There's a lot of um, unlearning and relearning, obviously, with uh, with the various genesis gender spectrums and mainstreaming and all of these. And we can't just rely, we can't just wait uh, passively for, for the bill to pass. We can't just, you know, sit here and do, and just, you know, hang around and just um, wait for them, wait for the government, right? So I guess my my next question would be, how do we push for that? How do we demand the government to take more action? How do we uh, finally get them to eventually pass the bill? And how do we you know dismantle all of all of these all of these uh, pushbacks what are your thoughts on that mavic it's actually a very difficult question to answer oh uh, i think 
we really have to stand up also, especially against uh, Christian groups, uh, because Catholic Church uh, is actually more uh, uh, accepting of the LGBTQ plus uh, issues, concerns. Uh, it's the Christian groups and denominations that are so against this bill, which we couldn't fathom why. Where where's this uh, this uh, obsession against uh, uh, against equality coming from? So so I think we we really have to have this conversation also with our peers, with our circles, aside from uh, voicing out our concerns in social media, which is also very important to gain uh, solidarity not only here in the Philippines, but also from uh, fellow advocates from outside the Philippines. We we actually need that now. Yeah, and obviously I think uh, a lot of uh, religion has been used in many places to justify bigotry against queer people, against LGBTQIA plus uh, people and just transphobia, homophobia, everything. Uh, no matter what religion, I mean, in the Philippines, there's uh, Christian groups. In Indonesia, there's a lot of uh, Islamic groups that try to justify their bigotry using using Islam. And I guess that's that is that is a big problem that we all need to, you know, uh, foster more discussions. Uh, because I I see like a lot of like like you mentioned, right? A lot of churches, a lot of uh, Christian denominations uh, are actually open, like. Not all of them are, you know, not all of them are bigoted. Like, lots of uh, Muslim groups also are open to uh, to queerness, to to these issues. But it's just it's just a whole complex situation when religion is being used uh, to justify these kinds of bigotry. And I guess, yeah, um, lots of uh, like a lot of discussions need to be had in these uh, on these topics. Yeah, may also add that how important it is to talk to have one-on-one conversations because because if we just bottled it up, it may just uh, result in resentment. Also towards our families who are uh, homophobic. So so I think we should also really start uh, talking about it within our peers because we really couldn't tell who have this internalized homophobia. Oh yeah, I agree, I agree. I mean, we've all here in this room have obviously experienced it ourselves so one-on-one talks can can actually really help because then you know you kind of like see past the labels and into the the, the humanity behind behind those um arthur um what do you think the listeners you know uh can do to to help to help these uh this condition in general but also to help um what you're doing as a community leader or maybe you know uh the, the village that that you're uh, that you're working in right now, like, what do you think um, after listening to this conversation? If the listeners are motivated to take action, um, what can they do? Ah, uh, para sa akin ano? Ah, uh, lalo na ang lalo na kung maririnig ito ng kapwa ko LGBTQIA plus, lumabas tayo. Ipa ipahayag natin sa kanila. Uh, na talagang kailangan kailangan natin to sa mga makikinig naman sana naman ang suporta nyo 
ang suporta nyo para sa amin. Kung ano ang suporta nyo sa mga straight na tao, sana din naman kami. Hindi kami sa nagmamakaawa. Kasi sanay na kasi kami doon. Hindi kami sa nagmamakaawa. Pero sa ngayon, kailangan namin. Lalo na sa sitwasyon ngayon. So, kumbaga, padami kami ng padami. Sa totoo lang, padami ng padami ngayon ang membro na LGBTQIA. Pero parang, uh, parang nawawala. Parang hindi siya napapansin. Halos lahat, alam mo sa totoo lang, uh, halos lahat ng gumagawa ngayon ng mga tao nito, nakikilala. Nasa antas ng ano, ihalos lahat yung mga uh, membro ng LGBTQIA. Plus, bakit? Parang kulang pa rin sa kanila. Kulang pa rin sa kanila yung ginagawa namin. Naandyan yung mga matatalinong atorne. Mostly dyan, mga, ano, mga bading. Teachers. Kung ano-ano mga profesyon na mga halos mga bading or mga membro ng LGBTQIA+, ang naandyan. Bakit kulang pa rin? Hindi mapansin. So sa ngayon naman sana, bigyan ng pansin yung mga LGBTQIA+, na mapabilang o magkaroon ng mga tawag nito yung mga magka, maging, magkaroon ng mga easy access sa government lahat ng mga ano, kung ano meron sa mga street, meron din sana kami, yun lang For our LGBTQ plus peers who are listening right now let us go out and be more visible in this fight For non-LGBTQ plus advocates may we have the same support as you do for marginalized groups Yeah, and I do agree that, um, you know, we do need to form that solidarity among everyone, among, yeah, queer people especially, but also um, everyone, I suppose, to in order to see, I mean, I can clearly see the, uh, the fight, the struggle and the anger that we all experience, especially in terms of like, you know, when disaster hits, that's uh, such a horrible thing. And I think I do agree that fostering solidarity, I guess, um, is the the first step to creating change. I think it's also important to really uh, highlight stories about the struggles of LGBTQ plus people instead of this uh, nonsense uh, statements from opposers of these discriminatory laws. So we really have to put them forward put these stories forward. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I agree. Because uh, otherwise, you know, it's just it's just about amplifying the voices, right? And it's just, uh, if you don't make a conscious effort, conscious decision to amplify uh, the voices of, of, of queer people, then eventually we're just going to get enmeshed in all of these discriminatory um, <laughs> articles and, and all of these other texts, all of these other writings that Uh, go against all of these, uh, all, all of our rights, and they seem to be justified, but they're completely not, and they're completely um, oppressive to all of the um, all of the queer people and other marginalized people out there. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for the uh, for for the discussion. Um, it's been it's been a wonderful. Uh, it's been a wonderful talk, a wonderful conversation. I do hope that this can uh, raise awareness to um, everyone listening and, you know, garner more support and solidarity as we talked about. And yeah, we will keep pushing. I'm sure there are like petitions and stuff that the listeners can sign for the uh, SOGI bill. But also, as you mentioned earlier, 
um, just have a talk, have one-on-one -on -one discussions, and amplify the voices of like um, LGBTQIA plus people around us. And that wraps up our discussion with Mavic Conde and Arturo Golo. People like Arthur have been struggling for years seeking equality and are now pushing for legal protection regarding LGBTQ rights. It's been seven years since the Sogi Equality Bill, but it has not yet been passed. Until then, harassment, discrimination and violence continue to be part of everyday life of LGBTQIA Filipinos. You can help their initiatives by signing the petition to support the Sogi Equality Bill becoming a law in the Philippines on change.org. Link in the show notes or in our article at newnarrative.com. Share the article as well as this podcast to raise awareness about this issue. You can also follow Bahangari, the National Alliance of LGBTQ Plus Advocates in the Philippines, on social media, as well as taking part in their signature campaign and educational discussions on the Sogi Equality Bill. My name is Bonnie Bell Rambatan, and this has been Southeast Asia Dispatches, brought to you by New Narrative and produced by Dania Yudo. I'll see you around.